So let's take our Bibles, turn to 1 Kings 17 this morning. 1 Kings 17, as we continue in this wonderful study into the story of the prophet Elijah. Elijah lived in a very wicked day. There was much evil in the land. The world was a difficult place to live. In fact, the king of the nation of Israel at the time of Elijah, we looked at this last week, King Ahab was the worst king that the Israelites had ever had. In fact, the Bible tells us that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Elijah served God in a very difficult day because of the wickedness of King Ahab. Some of the difficulties that Elijah faced were because of the sins of Ahab and of the people of Israel. This is important for us to remember and to note because in our lives, sometimes we think, well, I'm following God, so everything ought to work out well, right? Everything should be easy. Everything should be smooth for the Christian. But in fact, often the opposite is true. When we follow God, when we obey Him, God doesn't promise that we won't have any problems. But He does promise to be with us. God doesn't promise that there won't be any sin in this world, but He has promised to be greater than the sin of this world and to be able to send His Savior, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin. God hasn't promised that we won't go through difficulty, but He's promised to walk through the difficulty with us. And choosing to follow God doesn't mean choosing the easy life. Often choosing to follow God is... Rather, choosing to make a difficult decision now because I understand the future possibilities, the future realities for the believer. As we looked at Elijah last week, we found a man who stood for God. He declared God's message to the wicked king, and then God sent him out and away from the king for his own safety. He sent him to the brook Cherith. He said, here at the brook, I'm going to feed you. I've commanded ravens to feed you morning and evening. And God provided faithfully for His servant who was willing to take a stand for the Lord. And I think we can take great comfort in that truth ourselves that as we follow God, as we obey Him, it doesn't mean life's going to be easy, but we can trust that God is going to be with us and take care of us along the way. So when we left Elijah last week, he was sitting at the brook. He had water to drink. He had food to eat. The ravens brought it to him every morning and every evening. What a miracle that was to see God's provision of food being brought from a raven. Imagine if you had your lunch brought to you this afternoon. We just went outside and this flock of birds flew down. And in their mouth, they just had a little bite of brisket. You probably wouldn't even want to eat it. But if you realize, wow, this was a miracle from God, you say, wow, this is amazing. God provided. God took care of him. 
He was hiding out because it was difficult. There was lots of wickedness in the land. But in that moment, he had everything that he needed. But then we come to verse 7. And that's where I want you to start with me this morning. 1 Kings 17, verse number 7. The Bible says this, And it came to pass, after a while, that the brook dried up. Elijah had had everything he needed. He had food. He had water. He had a place to stay. He was safe. He was protected. He had taken his stand for God, and now God was providing for his needs. But then one day it came to pass that the brook dried up. I think there's a miracle here that Elijah had experienced. He had seen God bring food to him morning and evening from ravens. And God had provided water from the brook. But if Elijah is anything like me and anything like you, Perhaps, as he saw those ravens come morning and evening, he thought, wow, look, it's amazing. Look how God provides. And he's reminded, morning and evening, God is providing. God is providing. God is providing. But if, you, if Elijah's anything like me or anything like you, perhaps the brook became something of a constant, something that was just expected. I mean, brooks are supposed to have water in them, right? That's what stream has supposed to have water. That's normal. The raven, now that's a miracle. But I would submit to you this morning that the miracle of the ravens is no bigger than or nothing harder for God than the miracle of putting water in a brook. The same God that sent the ravens was the same God that put that brook there and caused it to be full of water so Elijah had water to drink. So as Elijah is there, he's being provided for as he's following God and doing what God says. He has everything that he needs until one day he doesn't because the brook dried up. I want us to begin with a question this morning and I want you to think with me. Ask yourself this question, what will you do when your brook dries up? What will you do when your brook dries up. He had had everything he needed. God was good. God was protecting him. And then God took away something that was a means of his provision. But when God took away the brook, he didn't take away himself. He didn't take away his presence from Elijah just because he took away some of the provision that he had once been giving to Elijah. The brook dried up, and then in verse 8 it says, The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath. As you're thinking about this question, what will you do when your brook dries up? I want you to notice the importance of following God's plan more than chasing after your own personal provision. See, here's Elijah, he'd been following God's plan and God took him to the brook and there God provided for him, but then God took some of that provision away. He allowed the brook to dry up. You say, well, it was a famine. Of course, it was going to dry up. 
The same God that sent the ravens could have kept that brook full of water if he'd wanted to. But God allowed the brook to dry up because his plan for Elijah wasn't finished. He had something else for Elijah to do. And we can sometimes get to points in our life where we say, I got everything I need. Things are really comfortable. God, don't change anything. Keep it right like it is right now. And the problem with that kind of thinking is we begin to trust in the provision that we already have and we forget to trust in the one who gave us the provision in the first place. We must be careful to follow God's plan and be more intent on finding God's will and being obedient to His word than in just getting personal provision for ourselves. Because when we're chasing after the provision, instead of following the provider, we can find ourselves in the wrong place, going the wrong direction, or just find ourselves in a place of complacency where we're not doing anything for the Lord at all. What will you do when your brook dries up? I don't know what your brook is. Maybe there's something in your life that you just say, I've always had this. This is something I could always count on. For some, it's their health. God can take that away. Because God's the one that gave it to you in the first place. For some, it's their finances. God can also take that away because God's the one that gave that to you in the first place. For some, it's a, it's a relationship with another person. For some, it's their career. For some, it's something that they've just always done and it's always been that way. And we can find ourselves relying in those things more than relying in the one, on the one who gave us those things in the first place. As God is moving Elijah through these various experiences that he has, God is moving Elijah towards spiritual growth and towards greater faith. And if you continue on in the story of Elijah, as we will over the coming weeks, he'll stand on the top of Mount Carmel. He'll call down fire from heaven and God will send down that fire. But before he could get to that position, he had to sit at a brook, let ravens feed him, and then God allowed the brook to dry just because God removes something that He has used to provide in your life doesn't mean that He is done providing. We know that from this story because we know that He's about to go to Zarephath and God's going to provide for him there. But Elijah didn't know that. He had to trust God and walk by faith. See, trusting in God as your provider is trusting in something that you can't physically see touch, and definitely something that you cannot control. When you trust in the provision, that's often something you can see, something you can touch, and at least you think that you can have some sort of control over it. See, it's important that we follow God's plan more than just chase after finding provision, and it's important, secondly, that we trust the provider more than we trust in the provision. Because the brook can be taken away. The brook can dry up. The finances can disappear. The health that you once had could go away. Those relationships that you have, something could happen to those. The constant is not the provision. The constant is the provider. But often we mistrust or distrust the provider because 
we look more at what He has provided rather than understanding who He is in the first place. See, God gives and God takes away, and we should be able to say either way, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because God's ways are always best. But see, when I trust in my provision, it's like, well, I have this, this ability, I have these finances, I can invest them, I can spend them, I can save them. If I have health, I can eat what I want to eat, I can exercise how I want to exercise, I can go where I want to go, I can do what I want to do. If I have a particular position or career at work, I can exercise my authority or I can fulfill something inside of me that makes me feel good because I'm contributing in some way. And when we look at and when we enjoy the provision more than we enjoy the provider, it's often because we kind of like to be in control of the outcomes in our life. The problem is that is such a spiritually immature way to work at life, look at life because we have no control over anything in the first place because it's all God's and He's in control. And if God allows us to have some stewardship, some control over something in our life, it's only by the grace of God. It's only because of His goodness. And so when He's given it to us, we ought to use it for His glory and do our best with it. But if God chooses to take it away, it's not because God's stopped being good. It's because He wants us to trust the provider more than trust the provision. Many people will never experience something like Elijah did. Perhaps it's because they've not been willing to take the first step of faith in following God, and so they've never experienced God's provision for the next step. See, if you're here right now, that's where I want you to realize right now, if you're here right now, God has provided in tremendous ways to get you to where you are right now. You've got clothes, you've got food, you've got a place to sit. Somehow you got here this morning, either you drove or somebody drove you, or you walked. You had two good legs to be able to do that. You say, well, I didn't even walk. You rolled. You got here. God brought you here this morning. That is a gift from God. Every relationship that you have is a gift from God. Every dollar that you have is a gift from God. Every breath that you take, is a gift from God. But too often, I feel more confident in the provision that I have than the one who gave it to me in the first place. And that's when people begin to doubt and to struggle with God. Because God gives us something and then He takes it away and we say, what happened, God? Did I mess up or did you mess up? And the answer is, God's fulfilling His plan. And He wants us to grow through the things that He allows in our lives. I've heard many stories from people about the things that God has done in the past. About the people who have trusted Christ and about the churches that have been started and the great mission works around the world. And I'm thankful for everything that God has done. But I don't believe He's done. I believe He has more to do. And He's going to do it through you and through me if we will walk by faith. We will get to experience and see God do tremendous things if we will walk faithfully in obedience to His plan 
But what are you going to do when your brook dries up? You could be frustrated, get depressed. You say, this thing that was always there, I just assumed it was there. It's my, my ministry, it's my family, it's my finances, it's my career, it's this thing that I thought I would always have, it's this freedom that I've always thought I would have, and then God allows it to be taken away. What are you going to do when your brook dries up? Be willing to follow God's plan, not just chase after your personal comfort. Trust the provider more than the provision. Elijah had to be willing to trust God. There have been times even for me over the course of this last year, I've been praying and talking to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm happy with things are just the way they are right now. If our church never grew more than it, more than it is, if we were always in this building, if, if my kids never grow up, I just want them right here. I, I, t- I tease Chris. I say, Chris, I just stay seven. Then I try to talk to her. Well, you're the one girl. You'll at least stay here with Daddy, right? You, you, won't, you won't grow up and leave. Those brothers, they can go. The sister, you know, go. Sometimes we think about that in our, that way in our life, don't we? God, I, I am content. I'm, I'm happy. I'm content where you have it. I know there's challenges and there's life, but God, I like it just like it is. Don't ever change it. The problem is when I get to that position, that's not a place of being willing to trust God if God wants to change it. Now, I think we ought to be content. I'm not saying that, that we should be wanting something that God doesn't want. I think we should be content with what the Lord gives us. But what if God takes away something that he's already given you, that you've enjoyed, that you thought was just, this is how it would always be? That's what happened to Elijah. He's obedient. He's following God. He's doing what God wants him to do. God's providing for his needs. And then the brook dries up. And now God is ready to take him to the next step of growth in his life. And he takes him to Zarephath. Look with me at the passage again, verse number 8. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. I want you to... Put your finger on verse 9 and look back with me to the first part of the chapter, verses 3 and 4. I want you to notice the similarities between what God told Elijah in verse 9 and what he told him back in verse 3 and 4. In verse 3, he says, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. He sent him to a place. And in verse 4, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded, I think that's an interesting word, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. He sent him to a place, and he told him about the provision that he had for him in that place. There's a brook, and I've commanded ravens to feed you. Now look back at verse 9. Arise, get thee to Zarephath which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. That's the place. God says, I have a new place for you. 
And in that place, he says, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. The same God that could command the ravens to feed Elijah is the same God that could command a widow woman to feed Elijah. It's not, it's not any harder for God to direct an animal to do its bidding as it is for God to direct a person to do his bidding. He's God. He said, over here, it's, it's ravens. We go, wow, that's amazing. It's just as amazing that he had a widow woman keep him alive. And in some ways, I'll, point, I'll show you here in a second, I think there's some even incredible things that are even more amazing how God provided through the widow at Zarephath. Because, see, by going to Zarephath, going to this place, he was going to be traveling across open country. It's about a 90-mile trip on foot or on donkey. Either way, it's a long trip over dry land. It's a famine, rough terrain, and it's out in the open. At the brook Cherith, he's kind of able to hide. It's lowland. It's out of the way. It's in a place where he was safe from the watchful eyes of Ahab and his armies that were trying to find Elijah because they blamed Elijah for the famine. And God comes to Elijah and says, all right, you've trusted me here at Cherith. You've been in this safe place, this place of hiding. All you've had to do is interact with the ravens that bring you the food every day. You've had the brook. And then God says, all right, the brook's dried up. Now it's time to go to Zarephath. I need you to travel across open land. Zarephath, by the way, it's pointed out here, it's, from, it's part of Zidon. This is part of the country that was controlled by the father of Queen Jezebel. Jezebel's dad was the king of this land. We already know a lot about Jezebel. Even people that don't know a lot about the Bible know a lot about Jezebel. She's a wicked queen. And her dad, who was a Baal worshiper himself, a priest of Baal, he's the king of this land. And that's where God sent Elijah. God, why would you send your servant into a pagan land, into a dangerous place? You've taken care of everything here. Everything makes perfect sense at the brook. He's safe. He's fed. He's provided for. God, why would you mess this up? You had a good situation. You had a good thing going. And now God says, go to Zarephath. But God was able to provide in Zarephath, just like He was able to provide at the brook. So the first question that we're thinking about is, what will you do when your brook dries up? The second question I want you to think about this morning is this, what will you do when you're down to your last meal? What will you do when you're down to your last meal? Look back with me at 1 Kings 17. Verse number 10. Elijah, the Bible tells us, arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Remember, the brook has dried up. He's just traveled 90 miles across open territory. Maybe he had a little bit of the last bits of water from the brook. I don't know, but he's thirsty. He says, give me a drink. And verse 11, as she was going to fetch it, 
He called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Remember, he knows what God has told him, that the widow woman is going to sustain him. So he's speaking in this confidence, trusting God's word. Bring me some bread. But notice her response in verse 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. This widow woman was down to her last meal. All she had left. A little oil. A little grain, meal, flour, mix those together, make a little paste, put it on the fire, make a little cake for herself and for her son. They were going to eat it, and that was it. It was all gone. So what will you do when you're down to your last meal? If you notice here, this woman, as she is obedient to get the drink, she's helpful to get the drink, But then when he asks for the cake, that's where the problem comes in. Well, I have water to give you, but this is the last meal that I have. If I give you this meal, I won't have anything for myself. Sometimes God puts us in a position where we're kind of at the end of ourselves, And we say... This is it. This is the last one. This is the last meal. This is the last. I can't go any further. God says, I want you to trust me with this too. Her response was, she was afraid. And that's why Elijah told her in the next verse, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me there of a little cake first and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. This woman had to have faith in the word of the Lord. I think it's interesting to note that back in verse 12, when she speaks about the Lord, she says, as the Lord thy God liveth. It's as if to say, if your God is really alive, then he's going to have to do something here because this is the last meal that I have. You ever been there? God, if you're really alive, you're going to have to do something here. I have nowhere to turn. I think for some people, that's how God first reaches them. Because He brings them to the end of themselves. They've been able to make their own choices, go their own directions, and they've probably, like some of you, and myself included, have made some bad choices along the way. You've gone down this path, you've made your own choices, you've lived your own life, and now all of a sudden you're looking at the consequences of all those choices and you say, this is bad. I don't have anywhere to turn except to God. That's kind of where this woman was, not because of all of her bad choices, just because of the famine that she was in. She was down to a place, she's, she's a widow, and she has a child, so she's a single mom. She's in a tough economic situation. She has no grain to eat. It's interesting, too, this is just another interesting geographical point. 
She's living in Zarephath, which was just to the north of Israel in Phoenicia. They relied on the grain coming from Israel in trade to be able to have enough grain to eat there in the country where she lived. Remember, Phoenicia and Israel had made this partnership when Ahab married Jezebel, and so that was a good economic decision for the land of Israel until God took away the bountiful crops in Israel and caused a famine to be on the land of Israel. So now their famine was causing a famine or a struggle or a lack of food for the people in Phoenicia. And so this woman in Zarephath has no food because of the difficult economic situation that she's in. She's a victim of decisions that are far beyond her control. She has no control over the weather. She has no control over the country. She has no control over who marries who. She's just here down to her last meal, and she says, I'm going to eat it with my child, and then we're going to die. And God says, take that last meal and give it to me. And the woman here, as Elijah tells her not to be afraid, the Bible tells us in verse 15, and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Her faith overcame her fear. She was hungry. Her child was hungry. But she trusted the Lord with her last meal and thereby demonstrated her trust in the Lord to provide for her family. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. See, I think sometimes we think, well, there's kind of this division, this hierarchy of spiritual faith or walk with God. There's the really special, super spiritual people that get to experience the provision of God and seeing God do miracles and amazing things and do all this work. And then there's me, you know, there's the rest of us. And I wish I could experience that, but I'm never going to be there. I can only experience where I'm at. And this is this woman, right? She's a woman living in a pagan land. She's a widow. Her husband has died. She's raising her child. And it's a very difficult circumstance. But because of her faithfulness to God, she got to experience the provision of God right alongside Elijah. She got to experience the same miracle that the prophet Elijah got to experience because she was faithful to trust God, even though she was afraid, if I do this, my child and I are going to not have anything to eat. We're going to die. So she said, I'm going to trust God. And notice who God provided for. Look at the end of verse 15. And she and he and her house did eat many days. See, her faith helped her to trust God first, and her faith resulted in God's faithful provision. But it's amazing to me that God provided for more than just 
her needs through her faith. That made me think of this. I, I was just asking myself this question. Who does God want to provide for through your faith and through my faith? Maybe God wants to provide for even more than you through your faith. And, you know, we've already seen God do that in wonderful ways. The faith of God's people in going and sharing the gospel, seeing God save people. Sometimes we get to see and experience and be a part of somebody trusting in Christ that we didn't have a whole lot of part in that at all. God was just at work bringing them and bringing other people across their path. And we get to rejoice with them. But we rejoiced because we were faithful in it too and we saw God save somebody else. Say, That's exciting. God's at work. We, we see that when we give to the Lord, even in our finances, for example. As I give to the Lord, God is taking care of my needs, but He's also blessing all those others and taking care of our missionaries and taking care of uh, the needs that we have to go and to share the gospel in our community. It's amazing how God does that. Who does God want to provide for through your faith. She got to experience God's provision in a wonderful way for herself, for Elijah, and for her son. At the brook, God had provided just for Elijah. Now, through the faith of the widow of Zarephath, God was providing for the widow, her son, and Elijah. You see how God's provision has now increased? He's providing for three times as many people as He was providing for before, and it was all because God was at work and He was using people who were willing to be faithful to Him. There's a song I like to sing sometimes, Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame, there's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame, there's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. See, the widow of Zarephath, she didn't get wealthy. The widow of Zarephath, we don't even know her first name. We just know she was a widow and she lived in Zarephath. And she had a son. But God used her to accomplish His plan to provide for her, for her son and for Elijah, and to be an example to us of what faithful obedience to God looks like. Another thing that I think is so amazing is that this widow woman who lived in a pagan land far away from where Jehovah was worshipped, God chose out of all the people to take His prophet Elijah and to send him 90 miles to her land just so he could come to her house so she could provide for him and so she could learn who the true God was. Isn't it amazing how God does that kind of work that He provides through you to take the gospel to somebody that if it hadn't been for you, who knows who they would have heard the gospel from? And God cares enough. He cared enough about this widow that He would send Elijah all the way to go tell her about the Lord. I'm so thankful that God cared enough about me to put things together in my life to bring somebody and a bunch of somebodies for me my mom and my dad and my pastor and other Sunday school teachers who told me about Jesus and I trusted in Him as my Savior and I'm so thankful for all those people then since then in my life that God has used to bring about so that I could be where I'm at today. 
I'm not here in my own strength. I'm here because of God's work in my life. And you're here because of God's work in your life. And the people that He has led across your path. And the people that have walked by faith and ministered to you. Parents, teachers, grandparents, Sunday school teachers, junior church workers, smiling, friendly people at church who encouraged you in your walk with the Lord. And that's why you are here today as well. And God wants to use you to do the same thing for somebody else. What a great, great thing God did for the widow at Zarephath. The question is, what will you do when you're down to your last meal? Perhaps it was easy for her, easier, I'll say that, to trust God at this point because she had nowhere else to turn. She was down to her last meal anyway. I wonder if this is why so many struggle to trust God. When you think you have some means to provide for yourself, it becomes harder to trust in God to provide. Because you feel like, I, I can do this. This is why Jesus said it's easier for this camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. God provided. I would say this too, your faith... In trusting God by obeying God's word, even when you aren't sure of the outcome. This woman demonstrated faith in God, even though she'd heard what that God could provide, but she didn't know until it actually took place. And the Bible tells us at the end of verse 15 that she did eat, and he, Elijah, and her son did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. But then verse 17, and it came to pass after these things. It reminds me a lot of verse 7, and it came to pass after a while. See, at the brook, Elijah had everything he needed. He had food, he had water, he had safety. He had already taken his stand for God. He had stood strong. He had done what God wanted him to do, and God was taking care of him. But then it came to pass that the brook dried up. What will you do when your brook dries up? Then God takes him to Zarephath, and it's a difficult journey. It was difficult for this woman. She had to trust God and walk by faith. But now, once again, God is providing. They have all the food that they need. The oil isn't running out. The meal isn't running out. Boy, we have everything. God is doing a miracle just like the miracle God sent the ravens, now God is sending the miracle of keeping that flour and that oil just replenished every day. Wow, it's amazing what God does. And oh, God is doing wonderful things. But then it came to pass, after these things, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. God, you, you took care of me at the brook. You sent ravens every day for food. And then you let the brook dry up. And then I had to make this trip to Zarephath. It was difficult, but God, you did some great things. And you did a miracle again. And now you've allowed her son to die. See, God sometimes takes those things that 
don't seem like the miracles to us. They just seem like constants, like a brook or the health of a child. And he takes them away for a while because he wants to teach us to trust in the provider, not just to trust in the provision. God, everything was good. It feels like it's messed up again. But God doesn't mess up. He never does. God never ceases to be good because His character is that He's always good. He's always holy. He's always fulfilling His purpose. God, why would you do this? Maybe you've looked at your life and said, God, there was a time when things were good. I had everything I needed. My relationships were good. My finances were good. I was ministering, serving God, doing what God wanted me to do. But then some things came to pass, and all of a sudden it seemed like he took that stuff away. God didn't stop being good. She trusted God when it came to her last meal, but now she has meal, she has oil, she has food, she has her son, she has everything she needs. And then God takes away her son. Look at her answer, verse 18, and she said to Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? See, the death of her son brought about a crisis of her faith. Everything seemed good, everything was taken care of, and now she's in a crisis. The one thing that she couldn't lose, I mean, now she'd lost. She doubted God's goodness. God, you're going to come and you're going to bring this man of God here? What are you doing, man of God? You're come to me and now you're going to call my sin to remembrance? I would say she also doubted God's forgiveness. Call my sin to remembrance. Now you're judging me for my past bad choices. I've trusted in you, God, and now you're bringing all these things back. But I would say this, that the death of her son brought an opportunity for God to show his power. I think Elijah's struggling here too, because in verse 20 it says, or verse 19, he says, Give her, give me thy son. He took him out of her bosom, carried him to the loft where he abode, and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? God, you've allowed evil to come upon this woman. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come in to him again. See, in the midst of this crisis, the widow wasn't thinking about the fact that God had already saved her son once by providing the meal and the oil. Because remember back at the beginning of our introduction to the widow of Zarephath, her son was about to die. They were about to eat their last meal and die. Those were her words. 
And God had provided. But see, that was at a point when she kind of had a control over the decision. I can obey God or not obey God. Now she's in a situation where she has no control over the situation whatsoever. She's going along one day, and her son gets sick and dies. Completely out of her control. And now she's questioning God. I think that's the way all of us are. You know, when it's something that I made a decision about and, and, and it was this way or that way and I saw God's provision or I didn't see and I go, well, at least I made that decision. I did that. But when God allows something in our life that we say, I had nothing to do with that whatsoever and it's something that we don't think is good, we're just ready to give up. But see, when God allows those kind of things in our life, it's not because he wants to hurt us. It's because he's going to show himself strong. And Elijah went and he took this little boy out of his mother's arms and he went up to his room and he laid him down on his bed and he stretched himself out on, this, on the body of the child and he cried out to God, not one time, not two times, but three times. And I would challenge you, three is not the magic number at how many times you ought to pray. But I think the point here is you can keep on praying and you can keep on asking God and you can keep on trusting God because God is good. And if God doesn't answer the first time, it's okay to ask Him a second time and a third time and to keep on praying and to keep on asking and keep on trusting Him. Because we see the answer. It comes in verse number 22. And the Lord heard the voice of of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. God gave life back to this little boy. The same God who had given life to that boy when he was born is the same God that gave him life and kept him alive by providing his food is the same God who now brought him back to life again when he was dead. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What will you do when your book dries up? What will you do when you're on your last meal? I think this last question is the hardest. What will you do when your loved one dies? Something unexpected. Something that seems completely outside of God's character. This is a little boy. What did he do to deserve this? God, would you allow a little boy to die to punish his mother? That's her question. We don't always know all the things that God is doing when he does things, but I can tell you everything that happens is for a purpose. And it's part of God's plan. And even in the moment, it may not feel good. It may not look good. And we may wrestle with how that even matches up with what God is doing. And we don't always in our own lives have a nice completed scripture passage to tell us what the end of the story is. But what we do have is the example of a God who's always faithful and never changes. And we can trust Him that even if we go through something like this, a crisis of faith where we lose something that seems completely unexpected and why would God even do this? that God still has a plan and that He's going to work it together for His glory and for your good. This is a real test of faith for the widow and for Elijah. 
But as God did this miracle, once again, to bring this child back to life, verse 23 says, And Elijah took the child, and he brought him down out of the chamber into the house, and he delivered him into his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. He's alive! And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art the Son of God. I'm sorry, I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. I think it's interesting that this is the point that she says, Now I know. She didn't say that when it was the oil and the meal provided. She said it when God brought her son back to life and gave him back to her. In this story, we see the growth of Elijah, the man of God, as God is preparing him for bigger things. But as God's preparing him for bigger things, it's not that God is not using him in the meantime while he's preparing him. The times of preparation in our life are not a, a period where God's not using us. God is absolutely using Elijah to do his work and to fulfill his plan and to provide for others and to take care of needs. Sometimes we get in those preparation times in our life and we say, what am I even doing right now? What's the purpose of all this? God's got you right where he wants you right now. Not to sit and suck your spiritual thumb, right? But to get out and to serve the Lord right where you are and trust Him and obey Him and walk by faith. And you say, it may not be a big deal. No one else may even know about it. But if I'm faithful to God, I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. And that's always a big deal. Because you're being obedient to what the Lord has said. See, this woman recognized now that Elijah was speaking the truth of God's Word. And that God's Word was truth because she had seen for herself God's power on display. Three questions this morning. What do you do when your book dries up? What do you do when you're on your last meal? What do you do when your loved one dies? To me, I think the answer for all three questions is the same. Trust and obey. Because when we trust the Lord and we follow Him in obedience, God has already worked out the plan to provide for you and to provide for others and to show Himself strong and to fulfill His purpose in this world. God is always able to heal. He's always able to raise from the dead. But His plan sometimes is even more important than doing those things that we think, oh, if God would do that, then it would really be amazing. Sometimes it is God's plan to raise people from the dead. He did it with Jesus Christ because if He didn't rise from the dead, we'd be of all men most miserable because we'd still be It was his plan with the widow's son. It was his plan with Lazarus. 
from time to time in the scriptures, we read about God bringing people back from the dead. But generally speaking, that's not how God works. It's not because He's unable to. It's because His plan is bigger than that. God often uses human weakness and frailty to highlight His power and His glory and to point other people to Him. That's why Paul wrote this over in the New Testament. He said, it's not many mighty that are chosen. Not many of the great things of this world, but rather he's used the weak things to confound the mighty. Because you and I, we may look at this passage and say, well, I'm no Elijah. God doesn't need you to be Elijah. God hasn't put you by a brook, but he's put you wherever you are right now. You're probably not going to go home and and uh, God's going to say, don't eat lunch here. I, I've got a widow woman over on the other side of town. You need to ride over and knock on her door. and She's going to feed you lunch today. Probably not going to happen. But God has provided in another way to take care of your needs. And where that place is, where God is providing, is where God has a plan for you to serve Him. And if God puts you in a position and then He takes away that provision... It's not because God's done with you serving Him. It's because God wants you still to trust in Him and follow Him and obey Him. Not get angry at God, not quit on God, not say, wow, wow, what? God doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. He's given us everything. May we be faithful to follow Him. Boy, the more I study this, the more I read about this story, it's really like the less and less important Elijah and all these other characters are, and the more amazing God is. I hope that that would be your heart and your desire, that as you follow God, it becomes less and less about you and more and more about Him. Who does God want to use you to minister to? How can your faith provide for someone else? How can your faith point someone else to Jesus? I think these are a lot of the things I think about as I read and study this passage. And we're not done with the story. It still goes on, and we'll get to some more of it next week. But I hope you'll take some time this week to think about these questions. Because maybe you're already in that place where you feel like your brook has already dried up. Or you're there where you feel like you're... About to have your last meal. Maybe you already had it. Or that you've gone through some great loss, like losing a loved one. What's, what's the purpose in all this? I would encourage you to think and to meditate on the truth of God's Word. And think about the character of a God who could provide through ravens. He can provide through a widow and her, her cruise of oil and her barrel of meal. He could provide by just raising a little boy right back to life. And trust Him that whatever you're facing or have been facing, that God is good. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, this is amazing to think about this God that would do this, but I don't really know Him personally. I know about Him, heard about Him this morning. If you'd like to trust Him today, this same God of Elijah wants to be your God as well. 
And he wants to so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die. Because you and I are sinners. We've broken God's law. And Jesus came and he died. He lived a perfect life. He's God in human flesh. He died to pay for your sin. And if you'll trust in Jesus and what he's done for you, your sins are forgiven. The sacrifice of Jesus makes it possible for you to have a relationship with God. The faithfulness of God to you is what provides for your need of salvation. If you're here this morning, I would invite you to trust in Him, even in just a minute as we bow our heads and close our eyes, and we'll have the pianist come play a song. Just cry out to the Lord and ask Him to save you. I'd love to help you do that. If you'd like to, you can come and we'll take somebody aside quietly, private room and talk to you about what the Bible says about how to trust in Christ. But I know a lot of you here this morning, and I know many of you are trusting in Christ as your Savior. Can I encourage you? God's still good. He's still providing. No, no matter what takes place over this next week, no matter what took place this past week, this past year, God is still taking care of us and taking us through those next steps. Let us consider who He is and be faithful to obey Him and to trust Him. Let's pray. Lord, we love You and we thank You. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Jesus. Thank You for Your power at work in our lives. I pray that You'd take these thoughts as we've really looked through a lot of this passage together this morning that you would challenge us in areas of our life where we have been trying to control things or trust in our own power instead of trusting in you. Lord, perhaps there's even somebody here today who has been faithfully serving you and they've been doing what they believe you want them to do, but because of something that you've allowed to take place in their life, which is you helping them to grow and to walk more with you, they've instead become frustrated by that. Pray that they confess their sin of their lack of faith and ask you to trust or ask you to help them to walk with you by faith. Father, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, hasn't trusted in Jesus, I pray that they would do that today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.